0: All right, who's ready to play today? Yeah, there's a few people. I don't know if I'm ready. Yesterday we had our football game at the Fall Fest and I am still very sore. Um, Man, I've reached that age where like playing in a game of football, feeling it all in my neck, my back, my legs, everywhere, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know when you're watching uh, a a game nowadays and they're like, look at that veteran out there. He's been on the field for years. He just keeps showing up. He is getting so old and he is 32. And you're like, oh my gosh. Like Anybody had that experience and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting real old. That's how I feel after the game yesterday. But we're not going to be talking about playing a physical game of whatever sport you choose. We're going to be talking about the game that we have been called to as the mission of God that he has called us to. And the team that we are on is the Church of God. And we are all made to play. Our faith is not a spectator sport. We're all in the game. And that's what we're going to be learning today in this series. My name is Matt Wolf. If I haven't met you, I want to meet you. I'm so glad that you're here. I love meeting new people and would love to meet you, even if you're joining online for the first time. Um, We are all about helping people follow Jesus here. That's our mission. We wanna help you follow Jesus and for you in turn to help others follow Jesus. It's all of our mission together, and it's an important mission because it's what's going to transform our world. So today we are talking about teams because we are all supposed to be on the team. You belong on the team. And teams are really important. John Krakauer in his book, Into Thin Air, um, records his experience with a big team of people that were planning to summit Mount Everest. And they had uh, strategized together, came up with a great plan, but as they got on the mountain, there started to be some infighting and different opinions uh, about how to summit that great mountain, And a a large storm system came in and they knew it was gonna be really bad. And some of the winds got up to 62 miles per hour. So some were thinking, hey, we, we shouldn't go. But a group split off from the group and brashly they headed up to try to summit. And in the end, it cost eight people's lives because that team did not stick together. Now, fast forward five years. Another team was attempting to summon Everest, but this time, they brought along Eric Weinmeier, a blind climber, who would be the first blind person to ever attempt a summit of Everest. They came in with an equally great strategy to summit the mountain, but this time, what the team did was at the end of every single day, they would huddle together in their tent to talk about what was going right And what was going wrong? What did they need to change? What adjustments did they need to make for the next day? And every day they did this as a team. And they worked as a team. There was one stretch where they had to lay out an aluminum ladder over a crevasse that went down seemingly miles. It took that team 13 hours to get every person across. And yet they continued to work together. When they got closer to the summit, they recognized that due to the storms up there, they would have two hours to summit. So they worked together as a team and they actually set two records that day. On May 25th, 2001, they not only achieved the record of having the first blind man to ever summit Mount Everest, but they had more people on one individual team summit in a day than ever before. 18 people were able to summit together. Isn't that incredible? Because they worked as a team. When you work as a team, you can accomplish so much more than you can as an individual. And that's why we need to recognize that we belong to a team. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are on a team. You belong on the team. That's our big idea for today's message that we're gonna be talking about because Christianity is not a spectator sport and it's not an individual sport. I don't want you going out there with your tennis racket playing singles. It's not what it is, it's not golf, it is a team sport and every single one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, is on the team. So you belong on the team. Um, Now, this series that we're kicking off called Made to Play is gonna go four weeks, so through this month of November and, and what that means, is that if this is your first time, or you're tuning on online, or someone shared this with you, I want you to commit to this entire four-week series. Okay? How are you gonna know if this is a good church for you, or, or if this um, actually can change your life at all, unless you commit to that four weeks? Okay? At minimum, give us those four weeks. So you can subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast app, because I know some of you are traveling for Thanksgiving. So go ahead and subscribe even right now, so that you make sure that you have all of this made-to-play series. Today, we are gonna start in Romans chapter 12 as we learn that we belong on the team. So if you have a Bible open with me to Romans chapter 12, we're gonna cover verses three through five today. And then if you have a smartphone and you use the UVersion Bible app, you can actually see our event under uh, the more at the bottom right-hand corner and then right in the middle of the screen, it'll say events, search for Rice Church Denver, and you can save the, the scripture, the notes right there on your app. So we are gonna talk about how you belong on the team, and if you're aware of the Book of Romans, what we're coming up against is this book is an incredible theological treatise. Okay, um, who in here is in the women's Bible study that's going through Romans right now? I see a few hands. Yeah, they're they're diving deep in this incredible book of the Bible, and if you read through it, the first 11 chapters are deep, rich theology teaching us about what the gospel is and, and why as Christians, our lives should be transformed. But then once you get to chapter 12, there's a pivot because now there's some specific instructions. Okay, now that you believe and are saved, what does this mean for your life? From chapter 12 to the end, the last five chapters are really about what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. But what's even more fascinating is that the first verse, the first two verse, seem very individualized. We we covered verse one last week, you might remember. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we're supposed to offer our bodies. It sounds very individualistic. Okay, me as an individual, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna offer my life. I'm gonna give my life to follow Jesus. So that's two verses. And then immediately from verse three on to like the end of the book, it says what we are supposed to do. It immediately moves from the individual to the team. So that's what we're gonna look at today. So look at verse three with me. The apostle Paul writes, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then do we have verse four as well? Can we jump, jump to verse four? I wanna read this whole passage. Verse four, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So you see immediately saying, hey, you belong on a team. You are part of a bigger team. We often think of as Christians, maybe you've heard the concept of the big C church. Okay, there are followers of Jesus all around the world. Some 2.4 billion people claim the name of Christ today. All around the world. We're part of the big C church. But what's interesting in the Bible, it always has a big C church and then says, but you belong to a little C local church. That's your team. Yes, we're part of the bigger team, but we can't see all those people, we don't know all the people, but we are part of a little local team. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of the team. And I would make this bold claim that if you want to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you have to be in a church. I do not think you can be a faithful follower of Jesus apart from the church. And, and, And notice how it says this. Every one of you, did you notice in verse three, it says, I say this to every one of you, every one of you, every one of you, every one of you is on the team. Do you understand? Each of you, every one of you is on the team. You belong on the team. And I'm saying this because some people like to be spectators at church. I wanna go in, get my coffee, my donut, I'm gonna sit there, we'll see if the pastor's any good today. And I'm gonna consume what I want and then I'm gonna leave and I'm gone. If it's no good, I'm gonna go to another church or stream online or maybe just stay home for the day. Right? That's what we do if we're spectators. We're fans, and sometimes only fair weather fans, but there are no spectators in our faith. There aren't even any coaches, okay? I am a player coach. I'm in the game too. It's not like I get to tell you all what to do and I'm on the sideline like, get in there. Try harder, come on team. It's like, no, no, I'm a player coach, okay? I'm in the game too. There are not even any, get this, Monday morning quarterbacks, even though they're all over online, right? We got some of those online. Some of you are watching right now. Leave me a comment, okay? I'll tell you to get in the game. Because every one of you is on the team. There's not even any bench warmers on the team, okay? We're all supposed to get in the game. We all belong. And even if you're like, ah, I'm kinda too old for the game. No, you're not. If you have breath, God has a plan for you, okay? You're not too young either. I don't care if you're like, ah, maybe when I'm older. That, that, is, that is not true. The youngest, the oldest are all on the team if you follow Jesus. Every one of you is on that team. You belong on the team. So what we're gonna learn today is three really important points about why we belong on the team and why it matters that we're part of this team because we are made to play. So if you're taking notes, ready for point number one? Point number one, you're not more important than the team. No individual is more important than the team and it certainly includes you. Verse three. Paul says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Don't think of yourself too highly. You are not too important for the team. You're not too important for the team. Leonard Bernstein, um, who is an incredible musician, described by the New York Times as maybe one of the most talented and successful musicians of all time, Played in an upcoming movie by Bradley Cooper. Um, He was asked, what is the hardest instrument to play? What do you think, he said? The second fiddle. The hardest instrument to play, second fiddle. It's easy to get first violinists, the people who want their instrument to stand out and, and, and to be the star of the show. It is hard to get people to play second violin. It's hard to get people to realize that they don't have to be the most important thing. There was a Gallup poll that's been taken over the years and in 1950, they asked high school seniors that year, do you think of yourself as a very important person? And in 1950, 12% of those high school seniors said, yes, I'm a very important person. Fast forward to 2005, the year I graduated high school. They asked the same question and 80% of high school seniors thought they were very important. That number is hovering around there if not going up. Everybody thinks they're very important now, too important for everybody else, that their life is significant and special. But you are not more important than the team. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. The problem here is pride. We begin to think we're too important and we're too important for those people and and what they're doing, and and what I'm doing is important, so I need to do what I need to do, even if it hurts other people, or or at least doesn't help other people. But you are not that important. You are not that important. You belong on the team. They asked Coach Pat Riley, um, one of the greatest coaches of all time, why is it that there can be teams filled with superstars, very talented people, and they still lose? And he said, that's easy, the disease of me. Because it's all about me, my touches, my stats, my points. If a team wants to win, they need to recognize they're a team. And no one is more important than the team. The same goes for us as followers of Jesus. In Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, we read this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, the opposite of pride. Value others above yourselves. They're more important than me. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Okay, how often do you put the interests of others above yourself? And if you're a mom, you can say it all the time. But in the church, right? The person sitting next to you, the person across the aisle, do you think of them and want their interests above your own? No, we all want what we want but we are called to value others above ourselves. We are not more important than the team. Now I see this playing out in two different ways, in two different ways in the church. The first one is people who very clearly are like, well, I'm an important person. I got an important job, important education. I do stuff at work. I'm a supervisor or I run this company or whatever. So when they come into the church, it's like, hey, we need you to drive the golf cart in the snow and pick some people up that's beneath me. People think this, like, oh, that's not an important job for me. I need to be in more important jobs if you're gonna use me in the church. And it's a very common mindset. Oh, that's, that's, that's beneath me. I don't wanna serve on the greeters. I definitely don't wanna work with the kids. Like, okay, hey, I need something important if you're gonna put me to work. Like, no, 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 no. In the church of God, no one is more important than the team. And if the team needs you to do a role, you gotta do that role. So that's the first way that it often plays out, that, that people think, that the church is beneath them. But here's the second way, it's a little more subtle, but far more common when people say, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to be part of the church. What does that say? Well, here's the thing, every single one of us has the same amount of hours in our days. We all have 24 hours in every day. We have the same um, seven days a week. Every one of us. So if you're saying, I don't have time, I'm too busy, but somebody else, they can serve in the cafe and drive the golf cart and work with the kids. You're saying my time is more valuable than that person's time. And that's not true. Don't think of yourself more highly than you are. You are not more important than the team. Every single one of us can give that biggest of all sacrifices our time to serve one another, to love one another. You're not more important than the team. You're not more important than the team. So, so that's our first point. You're not more important than the team. But what I also see is kind of the flip side of that. And I think Paul is also addressing that in this verse if you read closely. So there's some people like, I'm too important. I don't have time I'm, uh, 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 for, for that. But there's another pe- group of people who say, uh, well, I'm not important enough. So I wanna tell you this. You're important enough to be on the team. We need you. God needs you. You have a purpose. You're important enough to be on the team. Like I said, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you're important to this team. Look at verse three again. Paul starts out by saying, "'For by the grace given me.'" Why did he say that? Because Paul was a murderer. Before he came to Jesus Christ in faith, he had literally stood opposing Christians and watched as the very first Christian was killed for his faith, Stephen. And yet he had this radical transformation when he met Jesus Christ It changed him, and can you imagine the first time Paul was walking into a church? They were for sure like, hey, get the security guards. Like, let's tackle that guy. Keep an eye on him, right? And then he probably internally felt like, what do I have to contribute? I'm a bad person, I've done some bad stuff. And yet here he's saying, by the grace God has given me, he knows that his own grace is the only reason he can serve on the team, and he made a huge contribution he planted a whole bunch of churches, wrote half of our New Testament, and now he's instructing us 2,000 years later because of God's grace. So, even if you've messed up big time, you've done some stuff, you messed up last night, maybe even on the way to church this morning, you're important enough for this team. God wants you, there is grace for you, and you can and should make a contribution to this team. I don't care if you've been to prison, I don't care if you have a criminal record, you belong on the team. Every single one of us, by the grace of God. But he keeps going on, he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We each have a distribution of God's spirit inside of us. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna look at the specifics of what that means by our spiritual gifts. But God has given every single one of us a spiritual gift to contribute. It's a supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit that we can serve other people and love other people. Every single one of us has something inside of us that God put there so that we could use it. So don't do the false humility thing, okay? There's the pride people like, ah, I got this, I'm the best. But there's the false humility saying, well, man, my skills, my talents aren't that good. I'm not a preacher, I'm not an evangelist. Like I get nervous when I tell people about Jesus. I can't even talk about it. Definitely I can't work with the kids. There are some people that downplay themselves so much and it is a false humility. But if God has distributed to you his grace, you have value, you have importance. Don't think of yourself too lowly either. You have something to contribute that other people around you need, that our team needs, that our team needs. And this is important, because all of us need to be contributors. You know, this series, we kind of football themed it. They told me to use like football analogies, but I'm a basketball guy. Um, So can I use a basketball illustration, is that okay? No, somebody said no. Well, I I got the mic, so. (laughs) Okay, uh, my era that I really was into basketball was the 90s and 2000s. And and there were some phenomenal players in in those years. Shaq, Kobe, Tim Duncan, they all had five championships. Okay, that's incredible. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, six championships. But did you know in that same area, there was a player with seven championships? Does anybody know who it was? Robert Ory, that's right. You're like, what, who's that? Robert Ory on three different teams won seven championships. And yes, he hit some big shots, they call him Big Shot Bob, okay, in the playoffs. But if you look at his career, his best season, he scored 12 points a game. Over the course of his career, he scored on average seven points a game and five rebounds. That is not that significant, but he was the reason, a huge reason why those seven teams won championships. See, he knew that he had a role to play and he was gonna do it the best of his ability. He didn't need to be the all-star. He didn't need to be Kobe. He didn't need to be Shaq. He could just do his job and the team would be successful because of it. Because every contributor matters. It's, it's the chemistry people. It's, it's the people that are encouraging others, that are just going out there and I'm gonna do my job. Those are the people that make the team successful. So you are important for the team. We need you, every single one of you. If you're listening online, we need you too. You're important. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say you're important. Okay, good. Now, now two people have told you that today. Maybe you'll get it. I think this is really like seeing yourself with God's eyes. If you look at it yourself with God's eyes, you're not too high, too important for the team, nor are you too low that you can't contribute to something. You have value and worth. And because of that, you are a faithful contributor on the team, you belong on the team. You belong on the team. And if you keep reading in our passage in verses four and five, I want you guys to see this in verse four, it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. This is such a significant metaphor. Okay, we are not individual bodies here. We are one body as a church of God. It's a church of Jesus. And Jesus is the head and every single one of us has a different part of the body. The members aren't just the fingers and the toes, okay? It's the knees. It's the legs, the arms, the shoulders, the wrists. It's the liver, the kidneys. Every single one of us has a different role. Okay, who in here is the liver? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but it's all important. And we could go on and on about this metaphor because each part of the body is important. You, you could, you know, the wrist could be like, man, I wish I had the full range of motion that the shoulder does. But we don't need our wrist to turn around like that. That would be pretty weird. We just need it to move like this. So each part of the body is important. And some of you are like, well, hey, you know, without certain body parts, you can still function. Yes, that is true. But it hurts. And there are some body parts, if you don't have, you will die. You lose your liver, you got one to two days, maybe. You lose your heart, you're dead, right? And I say this because when people leave the body of Christ, even a local church, it hurts the rest of the church. I've seen this. Sometimes people leave and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, That was some of the skin and you can feel the open wound right there. But sometimes it feels literally like a a limb is gone. Like how are we going to recover from that person leaving the church? We all are significant to the entire body of Christ. We're all important. And that's what leads us to our third point, if you're ready for this. You are important to others on the team. You're important to others on the team. The rest of the team needs you. You might not recognize it, but other people on the team need you. We need you. You're important to others. And we belong to all the others. You know, this, this is important because there was just some, some major research that I was listening to this week on a, on a podcast. And they were looking at why people have left the church. Over the last 30 years, a lot of people have stopped going to church. Do you know what the number one reason, by a long shot, why most people stop going to church? Do you know what it is? They move, they move. It's actually a very small percentage of people that stop believing. Almost everybody just stops going to church because they move, then they're busy, they're, they're involved with all sorts of stuff, and, and then they try to find a church and then their life's now it's just so busy and oh my gosh, I don't know. They go once every few months and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that church because it's been three months since I went there. Let's try something else. And then all of a sudden you find yourself a few years later never having gone. This is what happens all across the country. And, and, and why I tell you that is because a lot of churches are hurt and weak and wounded. Maybe their immunity is down. When you hear about pastors failing or churches falling apart, it might just be because people stopped going and their body parts missing. How are they gonna keep functioning? It's gonna kill them. We need each other. The body of Christ is important and every member of the body is important. So don't leave the church, commit to the church. You belong on the team. And and I wanna say this. This is an anecdotal evidence. This is from my pastor, my personal experience. I've been a pastor 12 years, and a lot of times people are like, Matt, I wanna belong to a church. I wanna get involved. Uh, um, I, I wanna commit to all that, but you know, I'm just hurting myself. I got things going on. Trauma, this hurt, somebody died in my family. I got anxiety and depression. I need to work on me first. People tell me this. And it sounds good, right? Oh yeah, you gotta work on you. But what I have observed in my life, the people who say that, and I'm gonna isolate, I'm gonna work on me, maybe I'll go see a counselor that really doesn't know me because you know we got all these HIPAA laws. Okay, they can't even tell me the truth, right? This is what happens. That's the only person who knows my life. And, And then I see that those people again and again actually are the slowest to heal. On the other hand, the people that are like, yeah, I'm hurting, I got some problems, I got depression, anxiety, but I'm gonna get in community anyways. I'm gonna start serving anyways. Those are the people I see heal way quicker. I've seen it again and again. That's just my personal observation. And I would go a step further. This is actually backed up by some research, this next part, is that when people deal with severe anxiety, the worst thing that you can do is to isolate. If you're saying, I'm just gonna work on me, that's the worst thing that you can do. What they have found instead is people who jump into community and choose relationships anyways are the people who learn to overcome their anxiety because they stop getting stuck in their own head. And I know there's some people who need to hear this today. Maybe you're online right now because you're like, I gotta work work on me, I can't do it. No, we need you and the church needs you and you need us. (laughs) When you step into community, there's a healing that happens. It it doesn't mean that thing will go away forever. It, It might be there forever but it almost gets put in its place. Like that anxiety, it's not gonna overwhelm my life anymore. So I'm I'm challenging you. You need the church and the church needs you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25, Hebrews 10, 25, we read, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other. Sometimes you'll hear that there's no Bible verse that says you should go to church. Well, there it is right there. Okay, it's in there. And it's not a modern phenomenon either. It was happening in the first century, okay? I had to address it back then. Hey guys, but but look at the reason that the author of Hebrews gives for why you should keep going to be a part of a local church. What does he say? To encourage each other. A lot of people are like, well, I wanna to go to church so I can get encouraged. Maybe the pastor will give me something. Maybe I'll finally get fed. You need some inspiration? I hope that you get fed and you get inspiration and encouragement. But that's not why we go. It's to encourage one another. Because there is some other person here, maybe multiple people who need your encouragement. And this isn't talking about the pastor, it's the staff. It's every single one of us. Maybe there's a person who came by themselves. Have you ever tried to go somewhere by yourself? I hate going places by myself. I feel awkward. feels weird. But but what if you find that person, each one of us, what if we took it as our mission that I'm gonna go find that person, I'm gonna love them, encourage them, care them, get to know their name, hear their story so that they don't feel alone here. What if I find the person who's going through a hard time and I'm like, my job today is to encourage people. What if you guys came here on Sunday mornings and said, instead of thinking, could I get fed thinking, how could I encourage another person today? Could you imagine the difference we'd make if we did that as a church? I think people would be encouraged. I think we'd be dealing with less anxiety and depression because they know that someone cares about them, loves them, knows their name and wants to encourage them. Someone else needs you on the team. Someone else needs you. So I'm challenging you again, you belong on the team. You, yes, you. You belong on the team and we need you, we need you. And I think that this is the same mindset that Jesus displayed for us, isn't it? Jesus says in Philippians chapter two, who did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, rather he emptied himself. He became nothing. He became a servant of all of us, washing our feet, loving us, putting us first, valuing others above himself, realizing it's more about the team than even him, God himself incarnate. And he took that to the extreme, didn't he? because he humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And when Jesus did that, he put us first. He said, the team is that more more important than me that I will die for them to forgive their sins, give them new life now, to give them a new mission to transform the world. It's that important. Jesus showed us and we should have the same mindset as Christ did. You belong on the team. You belong on the T. And guess what, it's the most meaningful life you can have. Martin Seligman, um, the philosopher and psychologist, said that people try to pursue happiness in a few different ways. The first way is through the pleasant life. They're gonna pursue pleasure, feeling good, doing what they wanna do in the moment. Then there's also people that choose the life of engagement. I'm gonna be busy, I'm gonna work hard, maybe get involved with kids in their sports and all that stuff. But the people that are the happiest, he says, are the people who find the meaningful life. And this is how he defines it. Belonging to and serving something bigger than oneself. And that is what God is calling us to. You belong on a team. And this team is so significant that God is transforming the world through our team. And God is at move here at a Rice Church, Denver. We had 10 baptisms. Do you guys know that? 10 baptisms last week. We got even more baptisms coming up next week. God is not move and we get to be on a team that's transforming here in Denver and around the world. And that's something so much bigger than ourselves. Be a part of that team. You belong on the team. So my challenge to you today is to take your next step of belonging. What's your next step of belonging? Faith is just taking the next step if you're like matt that's overwhelming i can't do all those things i can't blah, blah, blah. okay just take the next step maybe you're newish to our church your next step is to fill out our new form arisedenvercom new helps us get a chance to get to know you and we actually give five dollars to the denver rescue mission that's an easy first step right just fill out that new form maybe you're here though and, and you're saying hey i've been coming for a little while i've even filled out a new form but, I, but I've kind of been on, on the out, outside, like I've been sneaking in, sneaking out. Maybe you need to just say, I'm putting down roots in this church. This is gonna be my church. And if you're here and you're like, Matt, I know now today, this isn't my church. <laughs> that pastor's weird. Okay, I get it. Go to another church. I, you, we need you on the team and another church needs you too. So just find your church and put down roots, put down roots. Maybe if you're like, hey, I've been around for a while, Maybe you need to join a community group so that you have a personal team who knows a lot about you in your life and you know them. Maybe you need to join a serve team. You're saying, I'm ready to volunteer. I've been staying too long, I'm too busy. You are too busy, drop something so you can start serving. Join a serve team. Maybe you need to become an official member here at our church. You can go to risedenver.com slash grow and take our membership class online now. And then you're like, I'm a voting member. I'm gonna vote for this body because we vote on some big stuff in a church. And now you're gonna be an official member. That might be your next step. Others of you, you're saying, hey, my faith has been very private for a while and you need to go public in your faith. That's your step. And how do we do that? Through baptism. And yes, we're having baptisms next Sunday. (laughs) So go to risedenver.com slash baptism. See, do you notice the theme here? risedenver.com slash new slash grow slash baptism. Take your next step. Get involved. Maybe you're serving and you're saying, I'm ready to step up as a leader so that I can serve even more in this church. Whatever your next step is, I'm asking you to make your next step because you belong on the team. Let's pray. Lord God, you've called us all to take a next step of faith because we belong on the team. We are members of this one body. Help us to serve in whatever way you've called us to. Now with eyes closed, if you're here and you're like, Matt, I'm ready to take this next step and I know what it is. The Holy Spirit has prompted me. I know what I'm supposed to do next. If that's you, just put your hand in the air. I wanna pray a special blessing for you taking a step of faith and belonging. Lord God, I'm, I'm grateful for those who are saying, hey, I'm ready to belong at a new level. I'm taking a step of faith in this church. Lord, bless them, encourage them, give them the courage that even when they go home today, they're not gonna say, well, I just felt like it in church, but no, no, no you're, that you're gonna step up that you're gonna keep moving ahead and you're gonna belong to the team that God has called you to. You can put your hands down. Now, if you're here and maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're feeling a tug to that, I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to give you new life in this life and eternal life once you die with him forever in heaven. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I wanna encourage you to say a simple prayer this morning so that you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud. Let's give courage to somebody around you who needs to pray it for the first time. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift. Of eternal life. Help me to follow you and belong on the team for the rest of my life. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today for the first time is your Lord and Savior, we just wanna celebrate with you. And we actually even have a book that we wanna give you. So put your hand in the air on the count of three and hold it up there until we give you that book. So one, two, three, put your hand high in the air if you made that decision to follow Jesus today see a couple hands down here, hold your hand up. We got a book for you. Let's celebrate with those people. Lord God, we are grateful for those who make a decision to follow you, Lord God. We just wanna help everyone, not not just follow you as individuals, but follow on a team. Lord God, we belong to something so much bigger and better than ourselves. That's taking back ground from the enemy, Lord. So I pray that you'd continue to go before us with your Holy Spirit to lead us so that brick by brick, you will build something great here at Arise Church Denver and around the world. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.